Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm so glad you're tuning in today. I have been wanting to do an episode solely dedicated to supporting you and understanding what the heck EMDR is for a while now. I've mentioned EMDR on several past episodes, the birth trauma episode, my birth stories episode, pregnancy loss episode, and probably any episode where we've talked about parenting triggers. But today we are going to focus in on this therapeutic approach and really help you understand what goes on behind closed doors when it comes to EMDR. I'm so glad I was able to snag some time with my friend and colleague, Sarah Rosny, who's a licensed clinical social worker and a certified EMDR therapist and consultant, to have this conversation with me to really bring this episode to life. My hope is that you are going to leave this episode with an understanding of what EMDR is and next steps you can take if you are ready to find an EMDR therapist and start the work yourself. Are you ready? Let's get to it. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I am so thrilled to be having this conversation with you today. This episode has been a long time coming. I've talked about EMDR in so many of my past episodes, but never dedicated fully a podcast episode to really understanding EMDR. And I'm so excited to be having this conversation with you present today. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I'm an avid listener to your podcast, and I'm also an avid lover of EMDR, so I feel very at home today in both ways. Oh, I'm so glad, um, and I'm just really grateful to be having you on, especially to do this conversation. You and I have connected previously just through business stuff and you know running modern private practices and all the things and you know I've I've known from getting to know you how important EMDR is to you yeah. and just how well versed you are in this approach and so I I love EMDR I'll share a little bit about my background with it and then I would mm-hmm. love to dive in to really for the listener to understand more about this approach and just demystify it but I first learned about EMDR when I was training, um, getting my hours and seeing clients at UCSD Family Medicine where I did all my hours uh, before I got licensed. And I was not trained in EMDR, 
but I knew that it was evidence-based. I knew the kind of folks that it could support, especially folks who experience trauma. And I got kind of good with supervision support in identifying when I was working with someone who was kind of stuck and maybe could benefit from EMDR. And so I would give them a referral. They would maybe go do that work and then come back and talk about just how powerful that experience yeah. was for them. And yet I it still felt like mystical to me, you know, like I had never actually <laughs> been in the room. I had never had it done on me. I had never engaged in it myself in any which way. And so it's still I was like, okay, I know this works and obviously people have a lot of amazing things to say about it, but it wasn't until I went and had it done on myself. Um, I experienced a pregnancy loss and went and did EMDR to process that loss. And oh my gosh, like I, once I was there in it and saw Mm -hmm. how powerful the approach was in not only processing that traumatic experience, but all of the other memories that came forward and experiences from my own past and my my history that mm-hmm. also came up for me and also was able to to heal from and process. Mm-hmm. And then the impact that it was having then once I did that work on my present day stuff and my current triggers um, that I was aware of in some ways and in some ways wasn't fully aware of until mm-hmm. I went in and did the yeah. work. It would be really meaningful for me to be able to walk my clients through this really powerful healing process. And so then I went and did the training. And now it is absolutely uh, a part of my everyday life because of the ways in which I'm able to offer it and walk through it with my clients. And with all of that, I would love now, because now the listener's like, okay, like I've heard of this. Maybe, you know, I think people are talking about it more. Maybe they've heard about it on Instagram or on mm-hmm. the news. Maybe they heard that, you know, Prince Harry did EMDR. You know, I, I, was, <laughs> I was interviewed by Scary Mommy when he came out and said that he had done EMDR just to, you know, kind of demystify this, this approach. So people are talking about it. Yeah. But – maybe like me, they've maybe now heard of it or maybe they haven't. And it still sounds though mysterious to them. And I want to demystify it with you today. So maybe you could start us off by sharing um, a little bit about how did EMDR come about and what what's actually going on in this EMDR work? Yeah. And I love that you're sharing the personal journey that you had with EMDR, you speak to something very near my heart because my specialty in EMDR is maternal health and birth mm-hmm. trauma. And that is a that is what I work with pretty extensively in my own practice. And yet, EMDR actually can be good for anything rooted in memory, which we can talk yeah. about later, but that's pretty much everything that people walk into a therapy office for. Yeah. So you know, kind of the the basics is, you know, Francine Shapiro developed EMDR in 1987 when she was under a lot of significant distress on her own cancer diagnosis. And she also was a brilliant woman. And so that was the beginning of this amazing journey, which now we have, you know, I always tell people there's over 200 different protocols with EMDR, but most of the time we stick to 
what Francine helped us find in the beginning. So the words that I want to really talk to your listeners in a way that they're going to understand about EMDR, because I think that's what people struggle with, is that it sounds so technical. And the three words that I really want to highlight for what EMDR is, is that it's comprehensive, it's relational, and it's intentional. Mm -hmm. So comprehensive, we're looking, just like you hinted at when you were talking about your own experience, we're looking at what is going on in your life right now. We don't actually start with the trauma. We say like, what's happening in your life right now? And not symptom-based, which is hard for some people because we want to feel symptom relief. We sometimes have to go a little bit deeper to figure out what the issue is. Like, what's the pattern of behavior I'm stuck in? What's, um, What's the anxiety that gets triggered every time I have to public speak? You know, like, what do I want different about my life right now? And what EMDR does, it takes a look at that, but it takes a look at that from a comprehensive approach of who we are as human beings. Mm -hmm. So we start in the present and then we look at mapping out your past. And there's some really interesting ways that we can talk about that we do that. The most important is we look to your body. So again, it's comprehensive, which means we're not just going to talk. We're not just going to think our way through these problems. We're going to connect with our body. And most people, you know, if you're familiar with trauma-informed care, you're going to know trauma stored in the body. Like yeah. that is really what we know about trauma. And so we're looking at what our bodies are telling us, what stored memories that are maybe unconscious to us that relate to this issue that we're dealing with now. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so what I like to say is it's, it's, um, it's bottom up, not top down. Right. Yeah. So yeah. You know, top down is like when we sit there and think and talk and we're kind of like bouncing I, and that has its place. There's so many totally. ways to heal. Right. I'm just in love with this way to heal. Okay. But there's so many ways to heal. But when we're talking about a comprehensive trauma informed therapy, we're working bottom up. Right. So we're going to get into the body. We're going to get into what's happening for you in your emotional and your felt sense. So that's the comprehensive piece. Can I, can I touch, can I just touch on a few things related to that? Cause you're just, you're speaking to me in so many ways right now. So first you mentioned like the technical thing, right? Like, and you wanted to be able to move away from that to really speak to the experience of EMDR and the heart of EMDR, which I so appreciate. Cause yeah, when I first heard, and when some, most people probably hear like, oh, say, so EMDR, like, what does that even stand for? Eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing. Like I hear that. And like my eyes, like (laughs) my eyes glaze over. I'm like, what what does that even mean? And like, obviously I know now what that means, but you know, at first it was like, huh? Like, that yeah. doesn't sound helpful. And it made me think of like hypnosis, this eye movement piece. And I started to feel yes. like I just can't picture myself asking a client to like follow my fingers or to move their eyes. And it just, it felt woo-woo, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and yeah. I, I think it's super important to, you know, to break that myth, right? Yeah. Um, by, yeah. And I think we can do that by getting away from some of this like technical language, which is, which is important, which is part of why it works, but to speak Mm -hmm. more to the experience of it and the comprehensive intention and relational components of it. So I so appreciate that. And I know for me as somebody who, 
Oh, you know, as a recovering um, overthinker, (laughs) people pleaser, you know, perfectionist, I can get very caught up in the the top, right? The thought process and try to think my way through something. And what was so powerful for me with EMDR was how it moved in some of the in some ways that par- those parts of me would block me from actually mm-hmm. d- diving a little bit deeper into what what was yeah. going on and so being able to tap into my body and the ways in which my body had kept the score and remembered yeah. these experiences it helped me it really helped me get actually a lot more quickly to the core and of, of what, of what I needed to, to process and and what was really, what was really struggling, what I was really struggling with. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was such an interesting experience. You know, you kind of speak to how we start with present day stuff and then from there, almost like turn on the lights in the part of our brain that recalls all of these memories, access them. Because I remember when I first went in to do EMDR, that's what we started with was like, what are some of the current struggles, right? Like I had a traumatic birth, I had a pregnancy loss. And, but like, what's, what's going on right now, right? And interestingly, there was, um, I found myself feeling really triggered around certain parenting Situations um, because I did have a, a, another child at that time who was a you know a toddler, and yeah. there were certain parenting situations, and there was also some stuff going on at work. I was teaching at the at the time, and I was finding myself feeling really anxious at certain moments um, in mm-hmm. teaching as well. And so we talked about that, and from there, it was so beautiful how the therapist was able to guide me into tapping more into some of the thoughts and emotions, but also the way in which my body was responding and experiencing in these moments and how we were then able to connect that to all this other stuff. Yes, the pregnancy loss. Yes, the traumatic birth. But then, gosh, some some memories from when I was five and six. And I had also felt like, you know, I'd also felt uh, powerless or like there was something wrong with me. Yeah, yeah. Or I had done something wrong and I was – you know, so gosh, it was yeah. it was really powerful to see. So I just wanted to kind of share some of those little personal pieces. You bring up that point that a lot of us might come into therapy knowing I have this trauma, mm-hmm. and sometimes we understand how it's affecting us now. Sometimes we don't. Okay, and that's yeah. making that past present connection. But what we we often don't realize is that it can be what we brought to that trauma that makes it even more complicated. So when we think of birth experiences, when we think of losses, that's hard enough, right? But it's also hard if you brought to that, like you're a people pleaser maybe, right? And then you have that component and that's like, that goes way back, right? So, So part of that comprehensive relational and intentional way that EMDR looks at the body, looks at the person, is that we're exploring what you had to do also to survive early on Mm -hmm. that's impacting you now. And sometimes it takes some of those bigger traumas for that to really get loud in our life, Mm -hmm. right? Really get loud. And I want to also say, um, it's not just that we start in the present and go in the past. This is, we also with EMDR go into the future. 
So we are past, present, and future, right? And what we're doing is we're saying, okay, so let's say you have a birth trauma and an early adaptation of like people pleasing, right? Mm -hmm. But also it's coming out because your kid is triggering you, okay? So we're also looking at how do I want to experience myself in my parenting relationship? And sometimes it's it's really easy to figure that out. Like, I want to feel calm. I want to feel, you know, and other times it's a little bit more work. Like, okay, so if I don't blow up at my kid, well, what could I do? I have no idea. Maybe I don't have a memory network of anyone ever not blowing up at me, right? And so it works. EMDR doesn't just work on the present and the past. It also always, and this always gets missed, I think, it takes us into the future. Like, how do you want to be living and experiencing and showing up as your authentic self in the future? And we focus on that too. So that's like the big picture of what EMDR is. It's a comprehensive psychotherapy. It's not something that we just pull out of a box when we're really stuck with somebody and say, okay, we're going to move your eyes and we're going to figure this out. We're very intentional. We treat trauma with respect and we're very intentional about how we approach it. Okay. So we're here talking about the comprehensive components and how it's not just about the present and the past, but about really being able to you know, look into the future and be future-oriented as well. Now, talk to us about the relational and the intentional pieces here. Yes. Okay. So I, I want to get rid of the myth that EMDR is this, is following my fingers and is just bilateral. Okay. That's a part of it. It's called phase four reprocessing. Okay. But the comprehensive piece is that we still experience in EMDR therapy, the relationship with the therapist. And that itself is what holds and helps heal our trauma. So EMDR is magical, but it's really only magical in the context of a secure, safe, connected therapeutic relationship. And so, I mean, clients, I mean, your listeners, I'm sure many of them have been to therapy. They know when they're getting treated like, like a person outside of a relationship and more of like a symptom. Right. So I think that when we think of EMDR as, oh, well, I'm stuck with somebody or I don't know what else to do. So let's try this. That actually is not helpful. Okay. What's helpful is we, when then there's eight, there's eight stages within EMDR therapy where they're all relational. We're history taking, we're preparing the client to go on this journey with us. Okay, with us being the key word, we're helping them and making sure they have skills and they have resources in their life to approach what's so distressing and affecting them in the present anyways. And then once we do that, we begin to, with our clients, find those memories that are the most activating, that relate to what's happening in their life now. And that's where we can ask the client to journey with us through reprocessing, which is what people think of when they think about EMDR therapy, which is bilateral movement. 
And it doesn't only have to be with eyes. I'm a little biased with eyes because most of the research is done with eyes, but there's also different types of tactile, auditory, you know, bilateral stimulation that we can do. And I want to explain a little bit about what happens when we do that. Okay. So what we are doing when we are asking our system to interact with bilateral movement, it's there's a lot we don't know and there's a lot we do know. And I like to use the example of we all experience rapid bilateral movement when we get into REM sleep. Okay. So mamas, if you just had a baby, you're struggling with to get that sleep. It may not be (laughs) happening for you right now. Okay. (laughs) And we understand how that affects us. Right. So, so what we know is that the brain is processing during that time. There's so many wonderful things that the brain is doing. And part of what it's doing is it's actually using, using like discharging things it doesn't need anymore. Okay. It's like a trash can. I like to think of it as like a cleansing and cleaning of the cells and of the brain so we can wake up and perform optimally. Okay. Well, what we're doing by causing some bilateral movement is we're actually stimulating the brain and your whole body and system. And we are causing a little bit of distress to the system by doing that intentionally. Mm. As you go into a memory that is distressing to you. Yeah. Now, as you do that, you have one foot in the past and one foot in the present. And you spoke to this early, Cassidy. That's the difference between other forms of psychotherapy where maybe you have two feet in the past. Yeah. We are doing what's called dual awareness, right? So the only thing worse than going through it is going through it alone. Mm. You're not alone now when you're approaching these memories. Okay, you get to not change your past, but change your experience with the past, mm. right? And so, as you do that, your body, your physi- your physical body, and your emotions, and then any of those pesky beliefs that we've developed about ourselves mm. over the years, they get to be moved and processed through because it couldn't do that at the time. Mm. And you have a secure, hopefully seasoned EMDR therapist that's going to help you and give you an opportunity to, oh, that was really scary. I get to be angry. I get to be upset. And Mm. I also get to know it's over now. Mm. And every part of my body gets to know that too. Can I share um, a moment in my own EMDR therapy that this was so powerful and I feel like speaks to um, so much of what you're describing here. There was a, so there was, you know, the, the pregnancy loss, the traumatic birth, the like recent, mm-hmm. the present triggers at the time around parenting, um, where I'd find myself feeling like I was shutting down and couldn't access all the like things that I knew that I wanted to do and say in those tough parenting moments. And, you know, lots of, and then again, perfectionism and shame around not being perfect in those moments. Okay. There was a early childhood memory that came up throughout all the work of feeling like I was connected and safe with my therapist, Mm. the assessment we had done, the resourcing we had done, the tools, the the work that we did to identify the targets for reprocessing, 
right? Connecting in with my body and the thoughts and all of the beautiful things that went into this moment of getting to remembering and recalling a moment when I was a child where I felt scared mm. and it was connected to, you know, um, some uh, an adult in my life in that moment. And I was in the backseat of a car and being very scared and feeling very ashamed and feeling like there was something wrong with me and powerless, all those thoughts yeah. and feelings. And what I connected with in that moment was um, that this like sort of shame, this like shame posturing where mm. I put my head into my mm. little brother's car seat to like hide my face. And in that, what had, you know, the way that my body had remembered that experience was there was fear, there was shame. And because that was such an intense experience, there was other details about that experience and memory that my brain did not like had not like recalled, right? And was not like putting to the forefront. Mm -hmm. But through the reprocessing, through the bilateral stimulation and feeling safe and having a guide so that when I did start to kind of loop and get blocked around certain parts of the memory, the therapist was able to interweave um, some things that supported me in moving through it. What I was able to also connect with was oh, my, my little brother was there. And you know what? My little yes. brother now is like such a safe space for me. And I was leaning into him in that moment, even though he was a baby mm-hmm. and he wasn't able to protect me. Yeah. He was a safe space for me now. And then, you know, what also I connected with was that that feeling of like burrowing my head. I then mm-hmm. recalled that now my my daughter at the time when she's scared or upset, she burrows her head into me. And yeah. it brought me then to this present oh. day in these moments in parenting when I get triggered and I feel like I'm shutting down. Gosh, she feels safe with me. I am. Yes. I, I have agency now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was also able to kind of, because I was now in that moment and being able to open up and not just feeling stuck by the, the parts that felt scary and powerless identify that that adult, right, like who I was afraid of in that moment because of what they were saying, that adult also had their own stuff, their own like generational trauma that had nothing to do with me that wasn't mine, right? Right. But we don't know that as a kid. We don't know that. I mean, we're as safe as our caregivers. And think about how that comes up when we have traumatic birth, right? Like we're as safe as the people are around us. And so what happens that you're so wonderfully describing with the MDR therapy is we're able to say, oh, so that has nothing to do with who I am as a person and how I choose to show up into the world now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, but your neurobiology gets to say it too. Mm. Okay. So that's different than thinking it. Right. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about my second, my second, um, my second child had, uh, I had a very significant bleed after birthing him. And if you, I, I knew, I knew as an EMDR therapist, like, I'm like, okay, we're going to be processing this. Okay. And if you had, if you had asked me before I had done some, some processing work, like, tell me about Lukey's birth. Truthfully, I would have just seen blood. That's really all I could right. handle, all my system had, right? And in the processing, what with the context of a safe therapist, 
a supportive, relational, attuned therapist was able to say like, Sarah, look around in this memory, just look. And I was like, oh my gosh, my sister's there. I had forgotten my sister. It wasn't available to me, right? Like my brain didn't have access to that information because the trauma was right here. Mm. And just like you were like, oh my gosh, my brother, you know, I, I had the similar experience of oh, my sister was there. Yeah. Everyone was there helping. And now if you ask me about Luki's birth, I see a big, chunky, bright, gorgeous baby, you know, <laughs> but yeah. that, that was a journey that I needed to take in a relational, intentional yes. relationship with a therapist. So thank you so much for sharing that. And it just like, it's so interesting how the brain works too and makes these connections. Mm-hmm. Our brain, our brain is just trying to make sense of the world and to keep us safe you know, and it does that by connecting these memories together. And, you know, that early experience, you know, I was able to identify was connected to my traumatic birth and pregnancy loss because some of the things that the adult was saying in that moment was about Mm -hmm. my body being something wrong being with my body, right? At the time I was very, very thin and me being thin was something that this adult thought was going to make me die. And that Mm -hmm. was the way that they described that was very scary and it made me feel like, yes, powerless, but also like there's something wrong with me and my body. And with pregnancy loss and birth trauma, Mm -hmm. with all the other people pleasing, right, stuff that I brought into that, I felt like I am letting those around me down and my body is Mm -hmm. broken and I am powerless also in like protecting Um, myself and my baby in these moments. And it, my brain was like, oh, okay, these thoughts, these physical sensations, this feels Mm -hmm. familiar. So because we want to make sense of our experiences and keep us and those that we love safe, let's, let's wire these together. And Mm -hmm. what you're describing here in terms of the process of EMDR and the neurophysiology, neurobiology of it is we actually get an opportunity to begin to reconnect and rewire some of these things. Is that correct? Absolutely. And I want, I think you're, you saying that leads me to, I I want to talk a little bit about, so how do we know if it's working? Right? Like that's, that's, so how do we know? And, and as relational as EMDR is, what I love about it, my nerdiness, right, is that there are very concrete ways that we can measure distress. And there's very concrete ways that we can measure the beliefs that we have about ourselves, And so we get to integrate that tool, that processing, that measure tool throughout the process. And so that helps clients. You, you know if things are moving pretty quickly, right? Mm-hmm. And then the bigger pieces that when you walk into your therapist's office after a processing session, the first thing that your therapist should say to you is, what have you noticed that's different? Yeah. In the last week or two or however long it's been. And that's the that's the that's honoring the present and the future because mm-hmm. you gotta be going back to are you how, how are you experiencing your kid? You know, or does anything stand out to you that just seems different? Or what are other how are other people experiencing you? Right. Because here we go on this journey, right, with our clients and we ask them to show up. We have to remember to show up and help them find 
what we call adaptive, okay, what we call changes in their life, and we need to celebrate it with them. Yes. We can't just go, oh, that's great. Okay, back to trauma. No, (laughs) we need to pause and go, okay, can you, like, what does that feel like that you responded to your son that way? Or how do you feel about yourself as a person that you applied for a job? You know, and can I celebrate that with you and even add some of that tricky, slow bilateral to enhance the positive changes? So it's really easy to tell if it's working because you're going to see changes in your life. Now, that being said, there is a negativity bias, right? We all know what it's like to feel crummy. Okay. And so we kind of give that more attention mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> sometimes, you know? And so I, I know I'm going to give you a story. You know, I was working with someone years ago who had had a horrible assault on a college campus and was not really able to go back, set, set foot on campus again. And the goal was, I need to go back to campus. I need to go back to school. And so we started doing some processing and, you know, we're about two or three sessions in and I'm checking in at the start of the session and she logs on and I'm like, okay, so how has your week been? And she's like, oh, I, hold on. I just have to get my roommate. I'm going to shut the door. And I'm like, you're at school? You're, you're in your college dorm room? Yeah. And she's like, Yeah. And I'm like, how does it feel that you're in your college dorm room? And she's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I just I just decided that it was okay to go back. And I'm like, you know, so we don't often like we have to kind of harvest some of these games because we miss them because we know what it's like to feel crummy. But we don't always give the attention and the celebration that it really is to notice what it's like to feel safe, to feel in control, to feel competent in our own life. Those little guards in our brain work so hard, you know, like they work so hard to keep us safe in our brain. Like our brain's like ultimate job is like to to survive, right? And it will, and what it will do then, right, is this negativity bias, this problem focus is like, I'm just going to, it really will focus in on the things that are undone, unfinished, not going right, right? The dangers, the threats. So we have to actually be so uber intentional in going beyond that to what actually is shifting and changing and working. And there Mm -hmm. are, there are elements of EMDR embedded within the approach and a therapist's job, right? To support you in beginning to notice those things and then to begin to really substantiate that, right? By having the witness Mm -hmm. to it as well. Right, right. And when I think, so I'm an EMDR consultant as well. And when I have EMDR therapists in my office and I'm, and then they were talking about cases, they might say, I'll say, well, have you strengthened all of these amazing changes? And they're like, well, the client doesn't really want to, or, you know, we're just really trying to get through some of the trauma. And I, I use this example. I say, okay, so if I never got down on my kid's level and said, wow, you, you did amazing. You, you must feel really good and competent about that right now. If I just never did that, how do you think my kid would would grow up, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have – and remember, the majority of complex client, complex trauma clients, they didn't have parents who ever did that. 
right? right? So we get an opportunity relationally and intentionally to provide the whole comprehensive experience of celebrating and helping heal so they can go into the future and begin to celebrate themselves and show up in the world differently. Mm. Okay. So when it comes to the listener now is like, okay, you, you had mentioned earlier, like, Everything is connected to memory, but I want yeah. you to kind of give give us some some tangible examples of some presenting symptoms or challenges or triggers or experiences that yeah. might be well suited for EMDR. And then, if someone's ready to take a step to get support, where can they go? And what are some of the resources you have to offer as well? Great. So, um, like I said, just about EMDR is comprehensive. And really, we're working with memory. So as long as the issue is rooted in memory, which most issues are, right, then it's appropriate for EMDR therapy. And there are certain situations that it's not appropriate to start EMDR processing work. Doesn't mean that we have to not start mapping out those past-present connections. But specifically, depression, anxiety, when people have a pattern of behavior that they're they're in a self-attack, you know, or they have attachment relationship, like I'm getting drawn to the same guy over and over and over again. And I don't want that in my life, you yeah. know? And the big one that you've spoken to, and I know your podcast has spoken so much about this, is is um is parenting, right? Yeah. So your kids are mirrors. Right. So it's like I, I joke, like every age with my three children, I'm like, oh, Sarah, that's the work I have to do. Oh, Sarah, that's the work I have to do. Oh and so parenting triggers, huge, you know, for athletes, performance anxiety. And for some of us, we just know, like, oh, well, I know I have trauma because I went through X, Y, and Z. And that's not, that's an okay reason to enter into EMDR therapy. Yeah. Just knowing that an EMDR therapist is going to say to you, okay, well, how does that affect you now? Yeah. How yeah. does that impact you now? Yeah. 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 And then finding an EMDR therapist. So, so here's a couple of things that I like to encourage people to consider as they're, as they're thinking and looking into EMDR. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I always tell people is, you can always go to EMDRIA, which is the International Association for EMDR yeah. Therapy, and you can find people who are associated with that who have gone through a certain level of consultation on their cases, yeah. okay? And I think that, that that's one way that is really helpful to find a therapist. But if you're going to call someone, okay, I think the question you might want to ask is, do you see EMDR therapy as like a tool that you use sometimes, mm -hmm. or do you see it as a comprehensive therapy? Mm -hmm. And if you ask that, you're going to have an idea of how they approach yes. the I love that I, question. Yes, it's a great question. And you're going you're gonna to be able to tell the clinician's comfort and how they think and utilize EMDR therapy. I work for the Center of Excellence in EMDR Therapy. I'm faculty there. And this is Dini Laliolis, who is the expert trainer in relational EMDR therapy. Mm. So I, of course, am biased, but if you want a great EMDR therapist, feel free to go to that website for the Center of Excellence in EMDR Therapy. 
and start there because those providers too, if they don't have room or they, they're going to be so well connected to the community and can help navigate and have you, you know, resource to find someone that could work for you. Yeah. Beautiful. And then you have resources and your own practice. You also have a podcast coming out. Like where can people learn from you and connect with you? Sure. So I have a group practice. I'm located in, um, I'm well, I'm virtual right now and I'm located in New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and New York. So those are my licensing. And I, it is my personal goal to have all of my group practitioners trained and excel in EMDR therapy. So we focus yeah. a lot on birth trauma, but everyone has some of their own specialties in that area as well. And I do have a podcast coming out and you're going to laugh. And sometime I'll, sometime later, I'll tell you, Cassidy, why we came up with this name because it was totally <laughs> in relation to your podcast course that I took. Oh, it, amazing. Um, <laughs> the, the name of the podcast is coming out in February and it's Please Don't Make Me Self-Reflect. And basically it's me and one of my colleagues Insights and expertise from two therapists who truly understand the exhaustion and the humor of therapy, both from the therapist and the client side. And so we go on our own journey of how we understand how it's easy to avoid our own stuff, but we hope to learn something in spite of ourselves. Oh my gosh. Okay. So just for context for the listener, um, because you mentioned a podcast course, I have a whole other side of my business where I support therapists and that's how you and I actually first met Mm -hmm. and then took my podcasting for therapists course. And I love the title of that podcast. And I have some ideas of maybe where you got that title from, if it was inspired by the course, because I do have to self-reflect in that course. And maybe maybe that was hard. (laughs) And I learned how it's hard and yet so important. So important before you step into doing something as big and as meaningful as like starting a podcast. So that's amazing. I will share links to all the important things that, and resources that you mentioned in the show notes, as well as your podcast, which comes out in February, right? Of 2023. Mm -hmm. And so if you're listening to this episode before that, stay tuned and look for Sarah's podcast. Sarah, this was so meaningful for me to have this conversation with you. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on Thank and you. doing EMDR for all of us. I yes. appreciate it. Yes. And thank you for having me. This is truly something so near and dear to my heart. And it's been more than a pleasure to journey with you today. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air and go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also for you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.